Hello, everyone. Here we are with another episode of the Percy Jackson podcast. And um, I'm so sorry if I'm sounding weird because I have a severe cold. And my voice is like going down, down, down slowly. Um, but I'm uh, but I'm good enough to one second, yeah. Huh. But I'm good enough to record a podcast, so no need to worry. We're gonna get shadow traveled. I really have no idea where Nicole leads Percy into, so let's go. <clears throat> I don't recommend shadow travel if you're scared of the dark, cold shivers up your spine, strange noises going so fast you feel like your face is peeling off. In other words, I thought it was awesome. One minute I couldn't see anything. I could only feel Mrs. O'Leary's fur and my fingers wrapped around the bronze links of a dark collar. Next minute, the shadows melted into a new scene. We were on a cliff in the woods of Connecticut. At least it looked like Connecticut from the few times I've been there. Lots of trees, low stone walls, big houses. Down one side of the cliff, a highway cut through the ravine. Down the other side was someone's backyard. The property was huge. More wilderness than lawn. The house was two-story white colonial. Despite the fact that it was right on the other side of the hill from a highway, it felt like it was in the middle of nowhere. I could see a light glowing in the kitchen window. A rusty old swing that stood under an apple tree. I couldn't imagine living in a house like this with an actual yard and everything I'd lived in a tiny apartment or a school dorm my whole life. If this was Luke's home, I wondered why they ever wanted to leave. Mrs. O'Leary staggered. I remembered what Nico had said about shadow travel draining her, so I slipped off her back. She let out a huge, toothy yawn that would have scared a T-Rex, then turned in a circle and flopped down so hard the ground shook. Nico appeared right next to me as if the shadows had darkened and created him. He stumbled, but I caught his arm. I'm okay. He managed rubbing his eyes. How did you do that? Practice. A few times running into walls. A few accidental trips to China. Miss O'Leary started snoring. If it hadn't been for the roar of traffic behind us, I'm sure she would have woken up the whole neighborhood. Are you going to take a nap too? I asked Nicole. He shook his head. The first time I shadow traveled, I passed out for a week. Now it just makes me a little drowsy, but I can't do it more than once or twice a night. Mrs. Leary won't be going anywhere for a while. So we've got some quality time in Connecticut. A gaze at the white colonial house. What now? We ring the doorbell. Nicole said, If I were Luke's mom, I would not have opened my door at night for two strange kids, but I wasn't anything like Luke's mom. I knew that even before we reached the front door, the sidewalk was lined with those little soft beanbag animals you see in gift shops, the miniature lions, pigs, dragons, hydras, even a tiny minotaur in a little minotaur diaper. Judging from the sad shape, the beanbag creatures had been sitting out there for a long time, since the snow melted last spring at least. One of the hydras had a tree sapling sprouting between its necks. 
The front porch was infested with wind chimes. Wind chimes, shiny bits of glass and metal cling to the breeze. Brass ribbons tinkled like water and made me realize I needed to use the bathroom. I didn't know how Mrs. Castellan could stand all the noise. The front door was painted turquoise. The name Castellan was written in English and below in Greek. Nico looked at me. Ready? He barely tapped the door before it swung open. Look! The old lady cried happily. She looked like someone who enjoyed sticking her fingers in electrical sockets. Her white hair stuck out in tufts all over her head. Her pink house dress was covered in scorch marks and smears of ash. When she smiled, her face looked unnaturally stretched, and a high voltage light in her eyes made me wonder if she was blind. Oh, my dear boy, she hugged Nico. I was trying to figure out why she thought Nico was Luke. They looked absolutely nothing alike when she smiled at me and said, Luke. She forgot all about Luke, Nico and gave me a hug. She smelled like burnt cookies. She was as thin as a scarecrow, but that didn't stop her from almost crushing me. Come in, she insisted. I have your lunch ready. She ushered us inside. The living room was even weirder than the front lawn. Mirrors and candles filled every available space. I couldn't look anywhere without seeing my own reflection. Out of the mantle, a little bronze Romis flew around the second hand of the ticking clock. Try to imagine the god of messengers ever falling in love with this old woman, but the idea was too bizarre. Then I noticed the framed picture on the mantle and I froze. It was exactly like Rachel's sketch. Luke, around nine years old with blonde hair and a big smile with two missing teeth. The lack of a scar on his face made him look like a different person, carefree and happy. How could Rachel have known about a picture? This way, my dear, Miss Castellan steered me towards the back of the house. Oh, I told them you would come back. I knew it. She sat us down in the kitchen table. Stacked on the corner were hundreds, I mean thousands, of Tupperware boxes with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches inside. The ones on the bottom were green and fuzzy like they had been here for a long, long time. The smell reminded me of my sixth grade locker and that's not a good thing. On top of the oven was a stack of cookie sheets. Each one had a dozen burnt cookies on it. In the sink was a mountain of empty plastic Kool-Aid pitchers. A beanbag Medusa sat by the fosse like she was guarding the mess. Mrs. Castellan started humming as she got a peanut butter and jelly and started making a new sandwich. Something was burning in the oven. I got a feeling more cookies were on the way. Above the sink, taped all around the window, were dozens of little pictures cut from magazines and newspaper ads, pictures of homies from FTD Flowers logo, quickie cleaners, pictures of the caduce, uh, caduceus from medical ads. My heart sank. I wanted to get out of the room, but Mrs. Castellan kept smiling at me as she made the sandwich like she was making sure I didn't bolt. Nico coughed. Um, Miss Castellan? Hmm? We need to ask you about your son. Oh, yes. He told me they would never, he would never come back, but I knew better. She patted my cheek affectionately, giving me peanut butter racing stripes. 
When did you last see him? Nico asked. Her eyes lost focus. He was so young when he left. She said wistfully, third grade. He's too young to run away. He said he'd come back for lunch. And I waited. He likes peanut butter sandwiches and cookies and Kool-Aid. He'll be back for lunch very soon. Then she looked at me and smiled. Why, Luke, there you are. You look so handsome. You have your father's eyes. She turned toward the pictures of homies above the sink. Now there's a good man. Yes, indeed, he comes to visit me, you know. She turned towards the picture. Oh, no. The clock kept ticking in the living room. I wiped the peanut butter off my face and looked at Nicola pleadingly. Like, can we get out of here now? Ma'am? Nicola said. What, uh, what happened to your eyes? Her gaze seemed fractured, like she was trying to focus on him for kaleidoscope. Why, Luke? You know the story. It was right before you were born, wasn't it? I'd always been special. Able to see through the, whatever they call it, the mist, I said. Yes, dear. She nodded encouragingly. And they offered me an important job. That's how special I was. I glanced at Nico, but he looked as confused as I was. What's our job? What happened? I asked. Miss Castellan frowned. Her knife hovered over the cheese sandwich bread. Dear me, it didn't work out, did it? Your father warned me not to try. He said it was too dangerous, but I had to. It was my destiny. And now, I still can't get the images out of my head. They make everything seem so fuzzy. Would you like some cookies? She pulled a tray out of the oven and dumped a dozen lumps of chocolate chip charcoal on the table. Luke was so kind. He left to protect me, you know. He said if he went away, the monsters wouldn't threaten me. But I told him the monsters are no threat. They sit outside on the sidewalk all day and they never come in. Do they, Mrs. Medusa? No, no, no. No threat at all. She beamed at me. I'm so glad you came home. I knew you weren't ashamed of me. I shifted in my seat and I imagined me and Luke sitting at this table, eight or nine years old, and just realizing that and it is beginning to realize that my mother wasn't all there. Miss Castellan, I said. Mom, she corrected. Um, yeah, have you seen Luke since he left home? Well, of course. I didn't know if she was imagining or not. For all I knew, every time the mailman came to the door, he was Luke. But Nico sat forward expectantly. When? When did Luke visit you last? Well, it was, oh goodness, a shadow passed across her face. Last time, he looked so different, a scar, a terrible scar, and his voice was so full of pain. His eyes? Were they gold? I said. Gold? She blinked. No, how silly. Luke has blue eyes, beautiful blue eyes. So Luke really had been here, and this happened before last summer, before he turned into Kronos. Miss Castellan, Nico put his hand on the old woman's arm. This is very important. Did he ask you for something, anything? She frowned as if trying to remember. My, my blessing, isn't that sweet? She looked at us uncertainly. He was going to a river and he said he needed my blessing. I gave it to him. Of course I did. Nico looked at me triumphantly. 
Thank you, ma'am. That's all the information we... Mrs. Castellan gasped. She doubled over and a cookie tray clattered to the floor. Nico and I jumped to her feet. Miss Castellan? I said. She straightened. I scrambled away and almost fell over the kitchen table because her eyes, her eyes were growing green. My child, she rasped in a much deeper voice, must protect him. Hermes, help, not my child, not his fate, no. She grabbed Nico by the shoulders and began to shake him as if to make him understand, not his fate. Nico made a strangled scream and pushed her away. He gripped the hilt of his sword. Percy, we need to get... Suddenly, Mrs. Castellan gasped, collapsed. I lurched forward and caught her before she could hit the edge of the table. I managed to get her into a chair. Missy, I asked. She muttered something incomprehensible and shook her head. Goodness, I, I dropped the cookies, her silly of me. She blinked and her eyes were back to normal, or at least what they had been before. The green glow was gone. Are you okay? I asked her. Well, of course, dear, I'm fine. Why do you ask? I glanced at Nico, who mouthed mount the word leave. Missy, you were telling us something, something about your son. Was I? Yes, his blue eyes. We were talking about his blue eyes. Such a handsome boy. We have to go, Nico said urgently. We'll tell Luke, uh, we'll tell Luke you said hello. But you can't leave. Miss Castellan got shakily to her feet and I backed away. I felt silly of being scared of a frail old woman, but the way her voice had changed, the way she'd grabbed Nico. Hermes will be here soon. He'll want to see his boy. Maybe next time, I said. Thank you for, thank you for everything. She tried to stop us, but I, I had to get out of the house. On the front porch, I grabbed my, she grabbed my wrist and I almost jumped out of my skin. Luke, at least be safe. Promise me you'll be safe. I will, Mom. That made her smile. You hear that? He will be safe. I told you he would be. As the door shut, Nico and I ran. Little beanbag animals on the sidewalk seemed to grin at us as we passed. Back at the cliff, Mrs. O'Leary had frowned, found a friend. A cozy campfire crackled in a ring of stones. A girl about eight years old was sitting cross-legged next to Mrs. O'Leary, scratching the hellhound's ears. Girl had mousy brown hair and simple brown dress. She wore a scarf over her head so she looked like a pioneer kid, like the ghost of little house in the priory or something. She poked the fire with a stick and it seemed to glow more richly red than a normal fire. Hello, she said. My first thought was monster. When you're a demigod and you find a sweet little girl alone in the woods, that's typically a good time to draw your sword and tap. Plus, the encounter with Miss Castellan had rattled me pretty bad. But Nick about the little girl. Hello again, lady. She studied me with eyes as red as the firelight. I decided it was safest to bow. Sit, Percy Jackson. Would you like some dinner? After staring at moldy peanut butter sandwiches and bone cookies, I didn't have much of an appetite. But the girl waved her hand. A picnic appeared at the edge of the fire. 
They have a plates of roast beef, baked potatoes, butter, carrots, fresh bread, a whole bunch of other foods I hadn't had in a long time. My stomach started to rumble. It was the kind of home-cooked meal people were supposed to have, but they never do. The girl made a five-foot-long dog biscuit appear from Mrs. O'Leary, who happily began tearing it to shreds. I sat next to Nico. I scrapped part of my meal into the flames, the way we do it at camp. For the gods, I said. Little girl smiled. Thank you. As tender of the flame, I get a share of every sacrifice, you know. I recognize you now, I said. The first time I came to camp, you were sitting by the fire in the middle of the commons area. You did not stop to talk. Alas, most never do. Nico talked to me. It was the first in many years. Everyone rushes about. No time for visiting family. You're Hestia, I said. Goddess of the hearth? She nodded. Okay. So she looked eight years old. I didn't ask. I learned that gods could look anywhere they pleased. My lady, Nico asked, why aren't you with the other Olympians fighting Typhon? I'm not much of a fighter. Her eyes flickered. I realized they weren't just reflecting flames. They were filled with flames, but not just like Aerie's eyes. Hestia's eyes were warm and cozy. Besides, she said, someone has to keep the house fires burning while the other gods are away. So you're guarding on Olympus? I asked. Guard may be too strong a word, but if you need a warm place to sit and a home-cooked meal... You are welcome to visit. Now eat. My plate was empty before I knew it. Because carved is down just as fast. That was great. Thank you, Hestia. She nodded. Did you have a good visit with May Castellan? For a moment, I almost forgotten the old lady with her bright eyes and her maniacal smile. The way she suddenly seemed possessed. What's wrong with her exactly? I asked. She was born with a gift. She could see through the mist, Hestia said. Like my mother, I said, but I was also thinking like Rachel. But the glowing eyes thing, some bear the curse of sight better than others, the goddess said. For a while, May Castellan had many talents. She attracted the attention of Hermes himself. They had a beautiful baby boy. For a brief time, she was happy. And then she went too far. I remember what May Castler had said. They offered me an important job. It didn't work out. I wonder what kind of job left you like that. One minute she was all happy, and the next she was freaking out about her son's fate, like she knew she turned into Kronos. What happened to divide her like that? The goddess's face darkened. That is a story I do not like to tell. But May Castle saw too much. If you understand your enemy Luke, you must understand his family. And that's all we're going to do today. So, let's see your chapter. And we're going to meet again next episode only on the Percy Jackson Podcast.